Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, we're going to be getting started with the mainstay of the presentation for a second. In just a minute, um, I wanted to run through a little bit of background for those of you who are not acquainted with us. So the, uh, the, demonstration, the demonstration today is going to be centered on, on the topic of epidemiology. And, and the genesis of this is really um, some observations we've made uh, in the marketplace for the last year or so. Basically, what we've, we've been hearing and seeing from some of our clientele is that you know, most organizations do have a pretty good sequencing uh, presence already implemented, uh, but there, there's a lot of limitations around the variant tracking specifically and the timely reporting of those things. And that's due to a few different factors around informatics, uh, workflow development, and the ability to scale. So that led us to, to formulate today's presentation, which is going to be centered on, on the epidemiology, the efficient surveillance across different types of specimens and the reporting out in a timely fashion. So to get that real-time surveillance, what we're, we're, we're seeing is that it really requires an automated, scalable operation that's professionally maintained and updated to ensure that high-quality and high-integrity data. Uh, the bottlenecks and the impediments to that are, are pretty obvious. Uh, that implementing these new workflows more or less brings the administrative overhead of workflow development and specialized personnel. And the scale up and the higher performance and the throughput, of course, demands the compute and the storage capabilities. Again, pretty common sense answer. So Kaijin has a rem remedy for this. We've got a few different combinations of tools and services, which pretty much make this turnkey. And hopefully that will accommodate almost every environment, whether you want a portal-based approach that will essentially be turnkey with no footprint to locally deployed software and or server combinations. So our speaker today, Eric, is going to be running through the pros and cons of these different approaches and giving you a pretty good illustration of how that flows. Um, the obvious imperative here is we want to try and enable that to, uh, to help enable and foster the, the efficient surveillance uh, and the epidemiology of the virus. Um, so Eric is going to be giving us uh, a demo of that. Hopefully it's good use of your time. Do not feel like you need to take a lot of extensive notes. We're going to be recording this. We're going to provide you with the slides. Um, your salespeople can follow up, follow up with you after the fact if you're interested in, in getting trial access to the software and so forth. We'll also uh, be, you know, again, sharing the video content. Uh, for those of you who have not used Zoom previously, there is a Q&A button as well, so you can pose questions at any point during the forum and some of us will be able to text with you an answer and if our speaker has time he can probably address some of that as well so uh, all that said uh, i'm going to go ahead and turn you over to our speaker dr eric sizer who's a senior field application scientist with kaijin insights okay are you ready eric yes Thank you, Scott, and good afternoon or good morning to everybody who's attending today. Uh, as Scott mentioned, my name is Eric Sizer. I'm part of the Field Application Scientist team with Kaijin Digital Insights. And today we are here to kind of hit on the points that Scott mentioned, some of the challenges that different labs and groups are facing with regards to covering the epidemiology of SARS-CoV-2 and the analytics associated with processing, sequencing data. So. With that, what we're going to review today is how we can utilize some of the solutions offered by Kaijin's uh, digital insights and also their more comprehensive sample to insight approach. So just before we begin today, just a quick disclaimer, which is the Kaijin products shown here are intended for molecular biology applications. That These products are not intended for the diagnosis, prevention, or treatment of a disease. So when we talk about the content for today, there are different contexts in which the SARS-CoV-2 outbreak can be kind of explored. One might be in the context of looking for developing uh, diagnostics. And so there is an arm in Kaijin that can help assist in the research and developing these different types of assays. There's also another context, which is the host pathogen interaction. And so this might entail if you are doing sequencing, uh, transcriptomic analysis in the host itself. And so there are multiple tools available through Kaijin Digital Insights to handle that data. CLC Genomics Workbench provides tools for RNA-seq and differential expression analysis. And in particular, Kaijin's Ingenuity Pathway Analysis offers a very powerful approach to explore both public's omic data through a land explorer tool, and also the biological impact of these transcriptional changes within the host 
looking at things like pathways, key regulatory molecules, and functional effects. While all those are available, and we can definitely follow up with any of you if you have interest in these areas, the focus of today is going to be on epidemiology. And really, the goal here is to discuss how we can handle data, right, when we're characterizing the virus from either patients or the environment, we're generating whole viral genome sequence. And really, our goal is to understand the variation as uh, the pandemic continues, the virus evolves, what new variants are uh, being observed within the population itself. So that's going to be our focus today. And really, when we think about how the processing of these samples works, it's a very kind of simple workflow. And we're going to kind of use this as a roadmap to talk through the different points of today's presentation. First and foremost, the initial steps are obviously going to be collection of the samples. And when we talk about uh, the SARS-CoV-2 samples, uh, these can range from environmental samples, kind of surface swabs, or perhaps wastewater, or more specifically to patient specimens, whether it be sputum or different swabs or blood or even feces. Now, once we have the particular samples of interest, the goal then is to generate the viral RNA. And with that viral RNA, we can then move forward through the processing of library preparation to generate a library ready for sequencing. So one thing that we will discuss as we go through this today is that while the analytics options with regards to CLC Genomics Workbench and our services are kind of agnostic to platform, Kaigen does offer through the Kaiseq direct SARS-CoV-2 enrichment kit, the ability to have a quick and powerful uh, preparation of the library for sequencing itself. So I'll touch on some key features of that kit itself. Now, again, regardless of how you actually ultimately generate your sequencing data, really the focus then for the analytics is going to be on two key areas. One today being the CLC Genomics Workbench. And really what this facilitates is a powerful yet easy to use platform that you yourself can take control of the analysis of your data. And so for the Workbench itself, you can deploy very simply on a laptop or a desktop machine. There's also a larger scale server-based deployment and also cloud-based options as well. And what this platform will allow you to do in the context more specifically of SARS-CoV-2 tracking are functionalities associated with variant detection, phylogenetic analysis, and genome assembly and annotation. Now, in scenarios, as Scott mentioned, where perhaps you lack the resources, whether that be personnel or infrastructure to actually process your own sequencing data, there is an, another exciting offering from Kaijin Digital Insights, which is the analytical services. And really, this is a one-stop shop solution where very simply, you can take your raw data directly from the sequencer, you can submit it to our cloud-based service, we have automated analytics in place. And what that will ultimately generate for you is sample reporting. And in the context of a sample report, we also offer information with regards to the variance, the lineage, and the consensus sequence uh, for your particular specimens of interest. So these are the topics that we're going to walk through today in the presentation. And we'll dive into each of kind of the Kaijin offerings in, in some degree of detail. So for the agenda, what we will start off with is a very brief overview of the SARS-CoV-2 genomic surveillance, kind of what the current state of affairs is, how the virus is evolving, uh, why is it important to continue surveillance. From there, we will touch on, as I mentioned, how you can help generate your sequencing data through the use of the Kaiseq Library Preparation Kit. From there, we'll then kind of focus on how you can take control of the analytics yourself and utilize the CLC Genomics Workbench to process your raw sequencing data and generate your variant calls or your phylogenies of interest. And then lastly, we'll touch on some of the features associated with our analytical services. How can you very simply take your sequencing data, submit it to our services in a very simple fashion, and get a comprehensive reporting on those particular specimens? From there, we'll end with a summary. And to a point Scott brought up earlier, uh, these Zoom webinars are interactive. So you will notice at the bottom center of your screen a Q&A button. If you have questions as we go through this presentation, please feel free to submit them. And either one of our team will answer on the fly, or what we will try to do is either answer them at the end if there's time for Q&A, or follow up with an email response. 
So when we talk about the pandemic, obviously the goal here is that as the virus and infection spread, um, the, the virus itself is evolving. There are new variants that are emerging around the world. Um, we can see this kind of show up on a daily basis, but there have been some very kind of well-studied variants that have been uh, observed so far that may have influence in regards to how it affects individuals, how it might respond to the different uh, vaccines and therapeutics uh, that are being worked on. One being the B117 that emerged in the UK and spread worldwide towards the end of 2020. Another one is the B1351 that emerged in South Africa. It's a novel mutation suspected to reduce the efficacy of many vaccines. And then more recently, the P.1 and newly established P.2 that emerged in Brazil, uh, these share other several uh, mutations that could be concerning with regards again to how they infect individual, affect individuals and also how they might respond to vaccines and treatments. In addition to this, um, I know recently we've seen information with regards to potential double mutants that are showing up that again uh, have a much higher rate of transmi uh, transmissibility. Um, and, and so again, the goal here is that this virus is not a static entity and this really just shows the need to kind of keep track of how it is evolving over time. Now, as we've worked our way through the pandemic, we've seen kind of from uh, about this time last year, all the way throughout the past year, that the demand for testing materials is really stressing the system. So initially tests like PCR-based tests were used uh, to kind of capture information on the virus. As, as we've moved forward, we've developed more uh, NGS-based assays for follow-on testing as well. And many of these real uh, utilize the same types of materials and reagents and consumables. So again, with this increased demand for testing, that limits kind of the availability of some of these items. In particular for consumables, when we think about things like pipette tips, plates, plastics, and other materials, um, those increases demand have been influenced by various supply chain issues. And these supply chain issues kind of affect all aspects of our life as well. So again, particularly for testing, right, we want to hopefully have the ability to minimize our usage of these consumables if possible. And the other big issue is as more and more specimens are entered in for testing itself, in particular for NGS, there's also the processing time that's required. And this can be in the specimen processing itself, whether it be extracting the RNA or doing the library preparation, running the sequencing itself, as well as the analytics. So all of these are kind of criteria that as we try to better track these new variants that are establishing, that we really tr can focus on kind of optimizing the ability to avoid this uh, these negative aspects of the increased demand for testing. Now, another kind of aspect when we talk about the evolution of the virus is really understanding the biology as well. And so in this case, we know that many of the mutations that we're observing are found within the spike protein in the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And these spike proteins are overall highly conserved among many different human coronavirus. And it's critical essentially for receptor recognition, viral attachment, and entry into the host cells. Now, from some of the mutations that have been observed that I mentioned in the previous slide, we've seen the increased capability of transmitting, uh, transmitting the virus and also increased potential for immune uh, escape. So all these are things that, again, can adversely impact the larger populations. So really to help better understand this and keep track of this, again, as the pandemic continues, is to uh, ensure that we can do activities like sequencing to make sure they're identified in different subpopulations and we can keep track of their spread and epidemiological prevalence. Uh, so here you can kind of see a nice schematic here of the spike protein itself and how um, different variants can kind of be transmitted, how they uh, evolve across different organisms as well. So again, it's critical to kind of keep track of these um, and so we can better respond to the pandemic and any uh, future adaptations that the virus uh, generates. So coming back to kind of our schematic here, how do we keep track of the data? 
uh, and, and uh, sorry, the, the pandemic itself and the virus and its evolution across the population. And so as we collect more and more samples, again, from the environment, from patient specimens, we generate the IR, uh, viral RNA, and now we're ready to move forward into the sequencing process. And so there are a number of different types of kits, Arctic Swan, but there are many others that are available to help generate uh, the necessary library for the sequencing process itself. But one new key product that we want to just shed some light on is, in fact, the Kaiseq Direct SARS-CoV-2 enrichment product. And there are a number of benefits associated with this kit that I'm going to mention in a minute uh, that make it a viable option for prepping your samples for sequencing itself. So, Kyogen has generated two Kyoseq-based kits, as we call them, uh, for the SARS-CoV-2. The initial kit was the SARS-CoV-2 primer panel. And so these primer panels were based on uh, existing Arctic-based workflows. So they included only the materials needed for reverse transcription enrichment for the whole genome sequencing of SARS-CoV-2. And they were compatible with a number of different library downstream library prep methods, the CHI-seq-fx DNA library prep kits to name one. But one thing to notice with these is if we look at this uh, plot at the bottom here, in red, the bar represents the coverage of the CHI-seq SARS-CoV-2 primer panel. And we can see across the length of the SARS-CoV-2 genome, that there are kind of dips and uh, peaks in regards to coverage itself. So our new product, which is the CHI-seq direct SARS-CoV-2 kit essentially takes our CHI-seq platform and utilizes an innovative four-hour library prep approach to give you essentially a singular box solution for the library preparation itself and also gives you highly uniform genome coverage. So again, if we refer down to this coverage chart at the bottom, you'll notice in contrast to the red, we have a blue line which represents the new CHI-seq direct SARS-CoV-2 kit. And we can see when we look at the coverage across the length of the genome, the coverage is much more uniform in this context. So coverage is one key aspect of the new CHI-seq Direct Kit. The other key aspect relates to the processing of the samples themselves. So basically, because it is a one-box kit, essentially it allows for simpler, less hands-on workflow support and allows for automation on a wide range of robotic handlers. So what this provides is a mechanism essentially to reduce the amount of consumables that are needed in the processing of the samples themselves. But in addition to that, the workflow itself to prepare the library only takes four hours. And if we were to compare that to, again, the Arctic-based kit, uh, the original CHI-seq-based kit, that total workflow time is 10 to 16 hours. So here we see a reduction in kind of two key areas of the processing of samples. One, uh, reduced amount of potential consumables that are needed. Secondly, the time to process the samples for sequencing is reduced quite dramatically as well. And in this schematic here, we have a very simple kind of workflow in which we can take the viral RNA sample, we can proceed with cDNA synthesis, we can utilize a CHI-seq direct SARS-CoV-2 enrichment, there's a bead cleanup step, quantification normalization, library amplification and indexing, and ultimately the bead cleanup. And once we have this, we're ready to go to sequencing. So again, just in summary, this new CHI-seq direct kit provides a means to have a one-box solution that has very uniform coverage of the SARS-CoV-2 genome. It also provides a short library preparation time for sequencing and offers a means to reduce the amount of consumables needed in processing the samples themselves. So when we talk about using this kit, or again, in the context of downstream analytics, if we're coming in with other types of kits that we've used to prepare the library and generate our sequencing data, we now reach a point where we've run our sequencing and we've generated our raw FASTQ files for our samples. And primarily at this point, when we're talking about tracking, likely our focus is to identify the variants that are found within individual specimens. And so at this point, this is where if you are a lab in which you want to control the analytics done on your data, we can utilize the CLC Genomics Workbench platform to 
process your data, move from raw sequencing data in the FASTQ format through the genomics workbench, and it's easy to use, yet powerful interface to identify variants, perform the phylogenetic analysis, and also perform genome assembly and annotation. So we're now gonna focus on a little bit of the aspects of the genomics workbench as a whole. Before we begin though, when we talk about Kaigen Digital Insights, and in particular, the product CLC Genomics Workbench, this is a tool that's been around for many years at this point, and it's very well utilized in the research community. So if you were to do a very simple Google Scholar search for Kaigen CLC Genomics Workbench or CLC Genomics Workbench and virology, you would find over 10,000 peer-reviewed publications that utilize the software. And this utilization can come in many different contexts. It can come in the context of we're, what we're discussing today, variant detection or potentially de novo assembly. Uh, there are also tools in place for RNA-seq analysis. So again, if you're looking at host response and any number of other tools, things like Sanger sequencing analysis, it might be relevant in this context. Now, if we do perhaps a more focal source on the platform, it's search on the platform itself, and we look for those references on Google Scholar that are utilizing the CLC Genomics Workbench in the context of SARS-CoV-2 analysis, what we will find are nearly 2,000 publications associated with COVID-19 research. And here we can see, uh, in this case, a comparative analysis that might have utility looking across uh, the different captured specimens to see what is conserved, what is unique. And another one, um, genomic evidence for reinfection of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, a case study. So varying usages here, but the key thing is in the past year since the pandemic has begun, uh, the software has been really widely utilized by a large number of researchers in, in uh, studying the virus as a whole. Now you might ask, sorry about that, why? would uh, researchers rely on the genomics workbench. There are a number of features that really make this platform appealing. One, first and foremost, is ease of use. So in the context of this software, unlike many other open source tools or other platforms that are available, this is a graphical user interface. So there's no need for any coding or scripting knowledge in place. You don't have to work on the command line. You can very simply utilize this graphical interface, use a nice set of icons and dialogues, tables and figures to really both process and interpret your data. Now, when we talk about analyzing data, there different ways in which we can do that. We can do so in a stepwise process. And so for any tool that you utilize, let's say I want to do an alignment of my sequencing reads. I have a very nice wizard driven analysis, a nice graphical interface as you can see here, it allows me to very simply step through the necessary setting of samples and parameters and reference information to do this processing. So again, no scripting, no complex command line. The other nice aspect is that all of the tools and the workflows that we have within the workbench have associated documentation. So if I'm going through the process of setting up, let's say read mapping, I have the ability to look at this documentation and understand what all the different parameters might mean within a given dialogue. So that again, helps facilitate understanding of what you're doing. It's not a black box and you have transparency to kind of the methods and the approaches used to process the data. Now, one very powerful aspect of the software is beyond using sets of individual tools across the various different types of applications that we support in the software, what we also have the ability to do is actually utilize either pre-built workflows that we offer directly as a download or the ability to actually build your own customized pipelines. And so here's kind of a very brief example of this here, and we'll take a look at this in a little more detail shortly. But what that allows you to do is essentially utilize a singular dialogue, do all the steps necessary to take you from raw data down to an endpoint of interest. So it simplifies the process. And one other nice aspect of these workflows is that they can be versioned, they can be standardized. So again, if you are going to standardize the processing of your samples, if a group is utilizing the workbench, you can distribute the same lockdown workflow to all the users within the group. Whenever they get a sample, they can process it in a uniform fashion. Now, 
as we go through these different tools and workflows, we'll generate nice tables, we'll generate many different types of graphics. You can export these graphics in publication-ready formats. And one other critical aspect, especially in the context perhaps of uh, public health labs, is that each file that is brought into and generated within the workbench has built-in record tracking. Last and not least, with the platform itself, because it is a commercial platform, we have many different tutorials that are available with demo data to download. We also have a dedicated help team that allows you to uh, submit a question via email through the platform itself and get a response typically within 40, 24 hours. And lastly, myself and other members of the application scientist team are available to help you through setting up webinars and working through your data analysis. So all these features really make the genomics workbench a very powerful and broad tool uh, for your research needs. Now, in the context of deploying the platform, there are three primary options that you have available. One, and this is what I'm going to use today in the demo, is very simply either uh, a desktop or a laptop-based deployment. So in Windows or Mac uh, or Linux, you can very simply download an application. You can run it on your local machine. And many of our algorithms are actually optimized to run as efficiently as possible. So when dealing with smaller data, it can make perfect sense to just utilize this desktop or laptop deployment. One other option that we have is newer, which is the Genomics Cloud Engine. And this actually allows you to utilize the Amazon uh, AWS space to essentially process your data. So if you're dealing with large amounts of data, you don't have an internal server available, you can utilize the cloud to do the heavy computational lifting of your data. And in this context as well, it's very nice in that you can use the desktop application to actually launch and push and run the analysis in the cloud itself. The results then can be viewed through the desktop platform as well. So um, no complex need to directly interface with the cloud if you have uh, some IT group setting it up for you in advance. Now, the last option is the genomic server. And in this context, really, if you have uh, compute resources available on premises or within your organization, this allows for a number of of unique features. So again, this will support multiple different workbench users, assuming you have appropriate licenses. They can all submit their jobs to a centralized kind of uh, compute center. There are different amounts of nodes that can be set up. And again, if you have IT in place, uh, they can administer all of this for you. But within the server solution as well, there are a couple other key aspects that might have uh, value. If you are a bioinformatician, there is the ability to actually run the tools in the workbench directly on the command line as well. The other very nice feature that I'll mention briefly is that there is the ability to actually wrap external tools. So if there is, let's say, an analytical endpoint that isn't currently available through the workbench, you can actually wrap another tool and deploy it through the workbench uh, with the server-based version as well. And what that would mean for end users is they could essentially run the tool through the graphical user interface. So again, we have numerous options with regards to deployment that should hopefully support the varying needs that different size labs and organizations might have. Now, let's get to the meat of why we want to use the CLC Genomics Workbench. And this is if you are generating your FASTQ files from your SARS-CoV-2 sequencing, and you want control over the analysis of the data. So what we're looking at here is a very simple schematic of how we can utilize a workflow within the genomics workbench to process SARS-CoV-2 raw sequencing data all the way through to our call variants and consensus sequences. So what the tool allows us to do is essentially take in SQ files, we can do trimming and quality control of these FASTQ files to make sure as we move downstream, we have a high quality sequence. We then can map the reads and we can clean up the mapping with a local realignment. And from there, we can move into a process of variant calling. We have a number of different variant calling tools in place. We can also through this process output consensus sequences for each specimen. And we can look at things like a coverage map as well. So this is a very simple schematic of how we might utilize a workflow to process the data. And in fact, what we have in the genomics workbench is 
pre-built workflows that you can directly download. These offer direct support for the Kaiseq platforms in particular. And in this context, what this allows us to do is very simply do all the individual tools that follow the schematic I just mentioned, going all the way through processing of the raw data, the QC, the trimming, the mapping, the cleanup of the mapping, then the variant detection itself, and then annotation to those variants, generating a consensus sequence, what have you. Now, when we look at this schematic, essentially the greens represent inputs, the three tiered boxes represent tools, and the blue outputs. And this looks quite complex. The key value within the software is in fact, that a workflow like this is already pre-built. You can just download it through a plugin. And from there, you simply go through one dialogue. You don't have to worry about all the details of this workflow under the hood. And what it will do is take you through the steps of processing your data all the way through to generating your variant calls and your consensus sequences. So these pre-built workflows give you a nice means to not have to worry about establishing a protocol for analytics. But one other aspect of this is that if you want to customize these workflows in any way, very nice feature of the Workbench is that they are modifiable. So you can add additional analytical steps onto this. You can change what gets output through a workflow. And essentially, maybe you want to use a unique set of primers or adapters for your own sequencing samples that can be accommodated as well. So the pre-built workflows make analysis easy, but they're readily customizable as well. And so the question becomes, what do we generate when we utilize these pre-built workflows? Very simply here, I have a number of images from the software directly, and we'll take a look at how we generated these in a moment directly in the software. But first and foremost, as we kind of do QC, as we do the read mapping process, we're gonna generate a number of reports that let us evaluate how good our samples are, how well the mapping process is going. So in this report here, we would simply be able to kind of get some context for what is the mapping rate in our samples. And here we would like to see a number approaching 100, which we do in many cases. That would just let us know our mapping looks good. With this mapping, we would go downstream and call variants. And so when we call variants, what we have is a very nice representation of the data. At the bottom of this section here, what we have is a table of variants. And you'll also note here, we're kind of scrolled over a bit, but we have annotated amino acid changes as well onto this. So we can try to find within a sample what might be the key variants of interest. And as we look at a variant, one of the key visualizations within the genomics workbench is a track-based view. So we can concurrently interact with this table, select a variant locus of interest, and utilizing a track-based visualization, actually zoom in and look at the coverage and the read evidence for that variant within a particular sample. Now, what we can also do is if we're looking at a larger cohort of samples, we then have the ability to utilize this track-based visualization to essentially look for things like recurrence across numerous samples. So what we're visualizing here are, in the top section, variant calls from numerous samples. We can get a sense for which loci in the context of the genome might show recurrent mutations in our collected specimens. And then what we can also do is right below this, the bottom four rows represent coverage across the genome as well. So we can get a sense for do individual samples have increased or decreased coverage in a particular region. Now, very lastly, which we can do to supplement this information that we've just generated is using, let's say, the SNPs that were identified in a cohort of samples actually generate a SNP-based tree to look at the relatedness of samples, create a phylogeny. And so in this context, we can build trees based on SNPs or short words, KMERS, or uh, multiple sequence alignment of the consensus sequence. There are a number of different ways to build trees. But it, here we could see how perhaps we see, let's say, uh, the Chinese strain utilizes our reference here, kind of the most divergent from all samples, and taking in what we call metadata for the sequencing information, overlay something like country of origin here, and kind of look to see how the American samples distribute with regards to relatedness. So what I'd like to do now is very briefly show you how we can generate this information within the software.
And so to do so, I'm gonna pull up the genomics workbench and really to generate the results, especially to the point of calling variants from our samples, really there are only three key main steps that we need to use in the software itself. The first one being importing the data. And so within the platform as a whole, when we import data, we have very simply a section here for import. And when we go to import, that will allow us to bring in our sequencing data. We support sequencing data from Illumina machines, Ion Torrent, and also the long read systems as well, PacBio and Oxford Nanofort. Also note if you have traditional Sanger sequencing data that is also supported within the workbench. But very simply for import of my data, what I would do, choose my sequencing platform, very simply say add files in the dialog. Here I'll bring in just paired in data from one single sample. I'll click open. And then if I have paired in data, simply check this box, go to next. And when we save the data, where we're gonna save it to is this navigation area towards the top left, really just the directory structure of your data within the software. So once I choose to save, I can go to next. I can choose a folder in my directory and I can click finish. And very simply, my data has been imported. Now, when we import data and FASTQ files, we'll see little sample labels here. If it's paired in data, it will be merged into one sample. We'll also kind of have the ability to open up the individual sequencing data. Here you can kind of see what a FASTQ file is, lots of short sequences with quality scores for each base within a given sequence. Not much to do with this manually, but this is what the raw data looks like. So very simply through the import button, choosing our files, we've done our first step. Now the second step is to obtain the reference information. And we've made this process very simple by including a references button here. And if we go to references, we have the ability to download public genomes, there will be a number listed here. In particular, what I want to point your attention to in this dialogue is the Chiagen sets. And so let's say we're processing ChiaSeq SARS-CoV-2 data. Very simply, we can find a set of information that we need for our workflow. We can have our genome sequence, the genes within the virus, the CDS sequence, and also let's say the associated primers, target regions, and adapters used in the ChiaSeq library preparation process itself. And with a simple click, I download all of this needed information. So that's step two. We've done an import of the samples for step one. We've downloaded our reference information for step two. And now lastly, where we will go is to the bottom left-hand corner of the screen, which is the toolbox for the software. And what the toolbox contains is either sets of individualized tools, so here, perhaps, if I were going to do this in a stepwise fashion, I could do QC and trimming for my data under the tools, prepare sequencing data. I would have the tools necessary for mapping and variant calling under resequencing analysis. But in our context for today, what we're going to utilize, as I mentioned, is a pre-built workflow. And these pre-built workflows can be downloaded through plugins, in particular, the Biomedical Genomics Analysis plugin, a freely accessible plugin within the software. Now, what this workflow will do is basically take in my raw sequencing data. Here we can see one for IASeq and also for AmpliSeq panels. It will take in my raw sequencing data and generate all those uh, endpoints I showed on the slides, the variance, the consensus sequence, and also comparisons across samples. And so what I would do at this point to run any workflow is very simply double click. It will take me into a singular dialogue where I would have the ability to select all my samples. Now, depending on my deployment, if I have a local desktop machine like I do, I can run it locally. But if I have access to the server, I can very simply select where I want to run the analysis in the very first part of the dialogue. So workbench means local. If you employ the server, 
you can choose the second option here. Again, all the heavy lifting will be done remotely and return back to your machine. And lastly as well, just to mention, if you have access to the cloud engine, it can run workflows. And what you would do is set up the analysis on your local machine. It will run in AWS and return the results back. Usually I run the locally and for smaller data sets, perfectly reasonable to do. So again, very simply selected my seven samples. I will check the batch option here, which will just say that the batch is checked. The workflow that we're running will run independently on each sample listed here. If I did not check batch, basically all these reads would be merged into one sample, which we don't want. And now for the remainder of this, I very simply walk through the steps. I can select again my downloaded reference information that I showed you a minute ago, very simply here. We can go to next. Uh, this is just how we group samples. These are all independent samples. So nothing uh, directly to do here. And then essentially for the remainder of this, I would just walk through the steps of the workflow, a very straightforward process to do. Um, if I choose the option here, let's see, I can grab this metadata table. Make sure I grab the right one. Click cancel. Uh, so I would choose the options, basically walk through the rest of the dialogue and again, save the data. So this is in place for both uh, Chi-Seq panels and AmpliSeq. That being said, if you have other panels of interest, you can essentially take this workflow that we're looking at now. And if we right click on here and open up a copy of the workflow, what this would allow us to do is show you that schematic of the workflow that I showed in my slides, where essentially for each input, there's a green, here's the sequencing data, our adapters, we would have other places, the reference information. Each three tiered box is a particular tool. So here's the initial trimming tool that will trim based on quality and adapter sequence. And then each output here is blue. And for all these workflows, again, if I have different types of data, I can very easily modify these. I could right click here, add an element, choose any type of tool. If I wanted an initial QC report, add that on here, connect it to my samples, and very simply choose an output. I can also go into any tools like the trimming steps. And you can see here, I have the ability to either unlock or lock parameters. So especially in scenarios where you want to standardize the analytics, you can customize a workflow, lock down the parameters that are needed and essentially just distribute this and let anybody run it, knowing that the same pipeline will be consistently run. Now, regardless of what you do, once the workflow runs, what you will get in your results section is a set of information for your samples. So each sample that we process will in fact have what I've generated here, a folder of results. So we will have reports as one set of information. And here again, maybe I can look at an initial QC report on my software. What is the GC content in my sequencing data? What is the quality distribution of the reads? So on and so forth. Again, our general QC. We could look at a report for mapping. Just look at what our mapping rate is here, 93% roughly, which is a very good mapping rate. And a number of other different reports that will just give me some understanding on how well my analytics have gone. How well is my, how good is my input data? The other main section of the output will actually be contained under this section here for tracks. And this is ultimately where the data is contained. And in this context, the file that we're going to look at is this variance above frequency 50%. So this is our main output of the workflow. And whenever we open track-based data, we will start off with this track-based view, which will allow me to essentially kind of zoom in and out of the genome. And this track-based view is actually kept on the first icon here. But really what we would then move on to is this next view, which is our table-based view. And this is where all of the variant information is contained. So in this table-based view, I have the reference genome, 
the position, the type of variant, the allele. And as I go through this table, what I will find are numerous pieces of information with regards to count and coverage and frequency within the sample. What I will also get are different quality metrics on the variant. And lastly, as part of this workflow, as we scroll to the far left, we've actually annotated these variants with coding changes as well. So the gene, as well as the coding changes in the sample. So very nicely, what we have is a very simple report, each sample that contains all the variants. And we have the ability to export this in a number of ways. If we go to export, we can either export as a Excel file. So basically, we'll have a file type on the left. And if it says yes, we can export an Excel file. Or if we wanted to, let's say, export a VCF file of the variants, we can do so as well. So this is kind of the primary output, our table of variants. We also have what we call an output that's a genome view. And if I go ahead and let's see, let me open this one more time in the genome view, it's a very nice kind of syncing of the tracks and our variant information. So as I click on each variant in my table, I can look to see at that particular locus, what information is available. So here I might scroll down and find a variant which drives a particular amino acid change in this specimen. And then I can scroll down further and look at the coverage and sequence information at that particular locus within a sample. So this workflow provides all the detailed variant calls that we would want on a per sample basis very simply in a number of folders and tracks and reports for individual sample. What it also contains is a consensus sequence as well for that sample, including the variants. Now, from this point, there are a number of other things that I could do. I won't show all of them today for time purposes, but essentially from here, we would have the ability to also, if we process multiple samples at once, generate a report for shared variants. So what variants are conserved across samples? And we can move over and essentially look at the sample count or the sample frequency in this case, see what variants are most prevalent. Now, the one other thing I'll mention very briefly is that, again, there is the ability for every file that we generate, look at the history. So built-in record tracking of all the steps that were used to generate this file, as well as the parameters for each specific step. So the last thing to mention at this point, is once we would call our variants, we would annotate those that have amino acid changes, we could look across samples. We then have numerous tools in place within the toolbox that would allow us to create phylogenies. Under our microbial genomics module, we can use the variant information, create a SNP-based tree, we can create a Tamer-based tree, then we can also take, let's say, the consensus sequence and do things like create a multiple sequence alignment and create a maximum likelihood phylogeny from that as well. So there are many different ways in which we can further kind of interrogate how well samples are conserved. What I've done here, which I'll just show you very briefly, is I have generated a SNP history in the software. And here, as we look at the relatedness of samples based on variants, one key thing to point out is that we can take metadata, just a simple file in Excel of our sample characteristics. We can import that into the software and we can actually overlay that onto the software such that if I wanted to see how these samples relate in the context of let's say geographic location, I can very nicely add this onto the plot. So Overall, when we talk about the genomics workbench, there are a number of different tools that we can run individual steps for processing our data, but a very valuable aspect are these pre-built workflows that, as you can see, through a simple dialogue, allows me to generate on a per sample basis reports and variant information for my samples, which then I can utilize downstream for a number of different other analytical options. So with that, let's take it quick look at one other use case of the software, and that is assembling and annotating SARS-CoV-2 genomes. So if we have whole genome sequence as well for the virus, we also can utilize a workflow where we have the ability to, again, bring in our raw FASTQ files, 
We can, again, do a QC and trimming of the table. We can do a de novo assembly of our iris, generate contigs, and then use different approaches to merge these contigs into a draft sequence. Once we have a draft assembly for our sample, we can actually utilize a tool within the workbench to pull over annotations from other like sequences. So if we have, let's say, an annotated SARS-CoV-2 reference genome, we can actually lift over the annotations there. And again, we could do the individual tools. And in this case, I've actually built a custom workflow to do these steps as well. But when we look at what the software generates is when we do the de novo assembly process, basically we will generate a table of the different contigs. And you have the ability to look at the coverage of these contigs, as well as visualize how reads map to the contigs as well. Look for places of conflicts that you can either automate it or manually resolve. You also have a number of different metrics to let you qualify how well your de novo assembly has performed. And very lastly, again, once you have generated a draft assembly for your sample of interest, again, you have a tool in place that allows you to, on this assembly sequence, actually lift over, as you can see here, different annotated regions from other related genomes. So again, this might be another option with regards to analytics that you could do. And again, with the results of an assembled genome, you could then utilize that again for different sequence-based comparative analyses, like generating a maximum likelihood phylogeny. So overall, the Genomics Workbench is a powerful platform. There are lots of other tools that we haven't looked at today, but really, if we're talking about identifying variants within samples, you can use simple workflows to very quickly import a sample, download the reference information, and generate your variance calls in a matter of three steps. But another context might be a scenario where perhaps there's not the time or the resources to analyze your own data. And ultimately, this is where our last offering comes into play, which is the Kaijin Digital Insights Analytical Services. This very simply represents a cloud-based solution where you have a turnkey analysis. So you can take your FASTQ files, you can submit them to our service. And from there, we will use a standardized analytical pipeline to generate sample level reports. So when we talk about these services, really they're designed for, again, NGS-based data uh, for SARS-CoV-2 surveillance. We have the ability to support any SARS-CoV-2 sequencing kit. And again, you know, we have built in and optimized support for our Chi-Seq panels in particular. So if that is a useful option on the bench for you, um, know that CLC and also our Insight service will always support the Chi-Seq panels. What this allows for is essentially a fast and accurate and secure and scalable way to analyze your data, right? You don't need infrastructure or any resources, whether that be personnel, or um, compu uh, computational uh, resources like a server, what have you. It's a fully automated analysis. So again, very simply, you just move over your data, the analysis will run. There are also ways to integrate it into existing systems um, through APIs, what have you. And again, when we talk about the results, we have a nice kind of global report for the samples where we'll have your sample level information, what we will also generate here is information with regards to the coverage, the consensus sequence, the variant information, what have you, and additional files. Importantly, what is unique to this SARS-CoV-2 Insight service is that it utilizes the tools of Nextclade and Pangolin to actually do both a lineage assessment of your samples as well as a clade assessment. And this will be included in the reporting. Now, when we look at kind of a schematic of how this works, essentially, again, what you will be doing is through either a service provider or internally within your lab, you're gonna be generating your FASTQ files. These FASTQ files, you simply need to upload to the cloud. And we will use AWS once again to utilize the cloud service, which will essentially utilize a CLC genomics workbench workflow to generate your variant calls for your samples, your consensus sequence, uh, your map, your, your reads with human sequence removed. And then we will also within the server employ, again, Pangolin and Nextclade as well. So once the analysis runs, again, a turnkey solution, 
Very simply, what you will have returned is a report, structured text file of the information, VCF files for your variants, virus sequence. In this context, we've removed out all the human contaminating sequence that might be there, a consensus sequence for your sample, and also a CLC way to review the results of your, pack, uh, your analysis as well. So again, this is fully automated and really the benefits here um, is that there's no hands-on time that's needed. You basically just submit your samples. We support numerous different panels that might be available. It's a cloud-based solution. So again, there's no limitation with how quickly the, process, the samples can process. Um, there's lots of different human and machine readable formats as export and also the ability to integrate with APIs. So you could potentially, let's say, wrap the results into uh, different library, local resources like a LIM system. Again, you get your variant call files if you want to take those downstream for additional analyses. You get the consensus sequence that you could uh, allows you to participate in GISAID. And then again, you have the lineage and clade information from both Pangolin and Nextclade. And very lastly, again, because um, it's a per sample business model, it's very simple to kind of purchase and set up this type of analysis. So with that, we've kind of taken a journey today where we've talked about how Kyogen can offer solutions for processing and analyzing your SARS-CoV-2 samples. We've gone through this schematic workflow where we've encapsulated situations where you might have environmental samples or patient specimens. You have generated your viral RNA. When you move to the process of library preparation, again, we saw how the Chi-Seq direct SARS-CoV-2 panel can be used for generating your sequencing library. Once the sequencing report, whether you're using a Chi-Seq kit or any other platform, then you have the ability to do manual analysis of your data through the CLC Genomics Workbench, using individual tools and workflows to call variants, to find phylogeny, uh, phylogenetic tree, to do a genome assembly and annotation. Or in a much simpler fashion, if you just want to submit your data, the Kaijin Digital Insights Analytical Services will take in your FASTQ files using an automated cloud-based service to generate a report on variants, the consensus sequence, and the lineage of your samples. So again, really with a Chi-Seq new kit, the direct SARS-CoV-2 kit, the key things to remember about this kit are that it has very uniform viral genome coverage. There's both a shorter processing time, roughly four hours per samples, and also a reduced set of consumables. With the genomics workbench, again, different deployment options, whether it be on a local machine, a server, or the cloud, but it gives you easy to use graphical interface to use individual tools or workflows to interrogate SARS-CoV-2 genomes in a number of different ways. And as we just mentioned, again, the SARS-CoV-2 Insight service um, offers a simple and cost-effective solution for analyzing your data. So very simply uploading your raw sequencing data using an automated solution for analysis and very simply getting a set of comprehensive reports back to interpret your specimens. So with that, I'd like to thank everybody for joining today. And I guess in the minute or few minutes that we have remaining, we can open it up to any questions that you may have. All right, so I'm going to pull up the Q&A here. I see there are two that are open right now, so I'll go ahead and read those out and try to best answer them. Does the annotation software highlight uh, basically the polyprotein that we showed in that image, or do we need annotation files that need to be important? So for the processing step that I've shown, let's say once we've gone through the process of generating our genome sequence for our samples, what we've done is we've actually imported and there's actually an automated download in the workbench for pulling in data from the NCBI. So I basically pulled over the SARS-CoV-2 sequence that's been annotated from the NCBI. And essentially in that context, there's a liftover tool that will pull over the annotations. Um, in the case of our microbial genomics module, there are some tools in place that are there for let's say prokaryotic gene finding. And those would be more geared towards scenarios where you don't have annotation for a genome. 
um, you're working with prokaryotes more specifically, and um, you'd want to essentially find genes and then annotate potentially what those are. Uh, so here's a question. I, I might have missed this information. What is the limit and turnaround time for number of short read sequence data for analysis from FASTQ to FASTA? Um, each time. So this will be somewhat dependent on a number of factors. If we're talking about the genomics workbench in that context, um, what might happen is that depending on if you're deployed on a machine with very low system resources or much more, let's say, powerful desktop, um, that will cause variability within time. Also, if you're running on a server or the cloud, right, you can speed up analysis quite quickly. Our service, um, I'm not sure if anybody on the Cole knows the exact turnaround. I think it's it's very brief within uh, a day or a short a few number of days in which we offer turnaround. Uh, but also the other factor too is kind of how much overall coverage you have on your samples. Is the sequencing very deep? If um, if so, you know it might take a little bit longer. But ultimately, again, the workbench is built to run very quickly on data, and our service because we're using the cloud is scalable. So the more samples you have, we can employ more resources and that shouldn't delay the processing time. Are any pre-built workflows that you may indicate for DNA viruses? So again, I showed kind of our SARS-CoV-2 workflows. Um, so those are probably the baseline that we would have for the viruses. And essentially what I often do when I utilize the software is to employ one of our pre-built workflows and then essentially go in and modify those. But the two workflows that I mentioned, at least currently, are the ones we have available uh, directly as a pre-built workflow. But again, very easy, as I showed very briefly, to come in and modify those workflows to meet your needs. So essentially the workflow, um, we could switch out the reference information, the primer and adapter sequences, and utilize that same workflow for calling variants in another virus if we weren't working in SARS-CoV-2, for example. All right, I think that looks like all of the questions. Um, so again, uh, thank you everybody for joining today. We hope you found this session helpful and we're happy to follow up with any questions or other information you might require. So thanks again and have a great day. Great job, Eric.